and welcome to ESPN's The Far Post podcast. The Matildas are back in the winner's books for the first time since April, which is terrifying on so many levels, namely the uh, acknowledgement of the progression of time, which has been really distressing. But I (laughs) digress, my friends. It was a 4-1 win over South Africa in London. It was really nice to get the win. We had some players absolutely star on the pitch. So We've obviously got to talk about all of it, but before we begin, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri and Gadigal people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. For today's ep, you have me, Marissa Lodanik, Sam Lewis, and Angela Christian Wilkes. So, friends, like I said, really nice to get a win. Can't deny it. It was really fun to enjoy that feeling at 12.30 in the morning. Uh, a little bit earlier on today. The 4-1 win, we had Courtney Vine scoring her first ever international goal and then adding another one because why not do it twice? Claire Pockinghorn scoring a header as God intended, as God wanted. And Caitlin Ford, I, I think it's uncontroversial to say, the pick of the bunch, an absolutely cracking finish from her no clean sheet. Um, Hilda Maguire for uh, South Africa scored late, a, a cheeky little chip over Tegan Micah, but overall it was pretty good. I think the best way to start this pod is that there were three, I would say, clear standout players for the Matildas. So we will talk about each of them. But Angela, who was a player that stood out for you in this game? Yeah, so a standout player for myself and I think a lot of a lot of people will agree uh Steph Catley she just you know kind of did Steph Catley things which we always love to see and I I think the great thing about Steph Catley like even though she has had like patchy um I guess a patchy record in the past few years due to various injuries and that kind of thing we didn't see her in the Canada games for example um due to injury concerns and just managing that sort of thing um, when she does play, it's always she's always so reliable. She's always mm-hmm. so, so good. But this game in particular, she had um, two assists and two secondary assists, so played a hand in every single goal. Her set pieces uh, were fantastic, um, and of the standard we've come to expect from her. Um, one of I think, yeah, two of them resulted. Well, there was the one where the Jimmy first goal for Vine, well, who we'll, we'll get to. Very exciting. Um, that was a pass from Caitlin Ford and it kind of got dinked in. But then also I think the 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 more gorgeous one was the the direct assist for Polk's header, which you love to see. Polk scoring headers, always good. Um yeah, and she's just it's good to have her in our backline at all times. I think she brings a very calming effect. Um her experience is really important, I think, at this stage as well, when you've got someone like a Charlie Grant on the other side of the field who's um, still deputising for uh, Ellie Carpenter and I think is still impressing me in a lot of ways. But, yeah, Steph Catley, double thumbs up. Keep doing what you're doing, love. Absolutely love it. Yeah. Double thumbs up, (laughs) indeed. Um, A couple of friends of the pod on Twitter were tweeting that, you know, at her, on her day, Steph Catley, best left back in the world. And I agree. I am fully on board that train. Uh, everyone jump on board because it's it's gathering steam. But Sam, who was the standout player for you? Yeah, the, the standout player for me was Courtney Vine. Um, it was a, a, a moment, a position that uh, nobody really expected her 
to be able to fulfill stepping into the shoes of Sam Kerr as a center forward, but she did it with absolute aplomb. She scored her debut goal and then she just followed it up with another one, which was better. It was like a backheel volley and she didn't celebrate, I guess, because she's too cool for that. I don't know. Anyway, I thought she was fabulous and she um, was, she sort of really acknowledged after the game as well, how difficult it is to try and move into a position that's occupied currently by one of the best players on the planet. But I thought that she, she brought her own sort of, pizzazz to it she was really zippy she was really nippy the way that Gustafson described her was she was meant to be the kind of poacher center forward and she absolutely was that she tracked down every ball she was annoying you know she put the defenders under pressure constantly she was buzzing around all the time which is fabulous and it's good to see that she has that versatility um, and now knows what uh, that kind of position takes at the international level like granted yes it was South Africa but again it's South Africa they just won the African Cup of Nations like they're no pushovers so it was really good to see her slot into that kind of position I I would have liked to see I think Caitlin Ford maybe used as the number nine a little bit more because I think that she is better with her back to goal and holding the ball up to bring other players in but it's really good to see at least Vine given that opportunity to have a crack and you know repaid the favor with two of the four goals so good honor I think also one of the great advantages of popping someone like Vine in as a nine is you catch people off guard I suppose oppositions are just mm. like oh my god same care same care same care and then totally. you've got this young um player who they probably haven't seen too much of and yeah uh, brings yet yeah, that that point of difference and surprise factor um and yeah so good to see her score those goals. For some reason, I thought she already had, but I think it's just because she's gotten assists in previous games. And so just onwards and upwards for Courtney Wine. How good. And the point that I wanted to make as well about Steph Catley, uh, like she somehow she is still so underrated, you know, and you can, uh, like a game like this, she does everything so well that you are reminded that this is the kind of football the Matildas can play when they actually have all their best players available. You know what I mean? Like she does, she does, she is the Matildas. She is the style and the system and the football that the Matildas want to be playing. The fact that she is a defender and she was the most influential attacking player on the team against South Africa speaks volumes about not just her as a as a fullback as a modern day quintessential attacking fullback but also the way in which the Matildas generally I think have always been wanting to play so like I'm I I cannot wait to see Ellie Carpenter back in this team because I feel like we miss so much by not having the two of them on those flanks creating those overloads creating those attacking opportunities um yeah and she's just fab I just yeah I love her she's a comfort blanket I believe your exact description in the chat was perfection, no notes on Steph Catley's <laughs> performance. And again, I have no choice but to agree because you're absolutely right. Um, just quickly on Vine as well, I thought it was really telling. Uh, Tony in the press conference also said, you know, he wasn't surprised that she scored because basically the last three camps she has shown plenty to the point that the coaching staff can't ignore her and that's why she has been getting game time she's been getting the minutes and she's really repaid the faith in this uh first game you would imagine we'll see more of her against Denmark but it's really exciting that I suppose um 
a player that is predominantly playing in the A-League women's has shown that they can play at the international level as well. I think that's a really important thing for every player applying their trade down here. Uh, I just, just wanted to provide a quick stat. Uh, Please. 75% of the goals were scored by a ginger. So <laughs> it's important we acknowledge that. Uh, I should... <laughs> That, uh, this is really important. Opta Carrot, she's gone in. Yeah. We Opta like to <laughs> Opta Carrot, there's a pod title. Um, <laughs> I will say to complete our little triumvirate of star players, I think we can't go past Caitlin Ford, who was also super influential. Mm. And funnily enough, in combination with both Vine and Catley, I could not get over how good Catley and Ford were together on that left wing, absolutely made in North London kind of combination. And Tony <laughs> said it in the press conference. He was like, I can't take any credit for that. That's all Jonas Eideveld. That's all Arsenal. Them doing that week in, week out for Arsenal. And then I just get to copy paste it in green and gold and look at what it produces basically. So yeah. Ford was, oh, I, it's so exciting to see her back playing the way we all know she can and scoring and assisting and doing everything that Caitlin Ford does because I think it's not unfair to say that she did kind of slip off and I think the the most telling kind of stat for that was that this goal that she scored against South Africa was her first since January at the Asian Cup in that 18-0 massacre of Indonesia so there's been a lot of games um, since then so to see her kind of just terrorizing defenders making the really smart runs cutting in unafraid to take players on um she had the assist for one of the vine goals and steph catley kind of had one of the secondary assists for that so again just that whole left side moving centrally beautiful things and her goal was absolutely sensational um i think it really like something that I take from Caitlin Ford, particularly from this game, but also the games against Canada is that she, I think really represents what happens to the Matildas when they believe in themselves. You know, like when Caitlin Ford believes that she can do it, she can take on almost any player in the world and beat them. And I feel like the Matildas are that as well. They have that same sort of spirit to them. Once they actually are in a position where they're in form everything's clicking and they really believe that they can do it, they can, you know, like she's a really nice sort of metaphor, I think, and for the, the larger group in that sense. And yeah, it's awesome to see her feeling that way because, you know, there was a, a period there where we were like, what's going on with Ford? Like, you know, she just completely faded out and we didn't really understand why. Um, but I think Arsenal has absolutely helped in this respect. They've given her these opportunities and, have really played to her strengths and what she's really good at and has told her to just have fun and really embrace that sort of football. And she's very clearly translating that into a green and gold shirt as well, which is awesome because it's exactly the kind of football the Matildas want to be playing as well. Whoops. <laughs> I just, I can't get over her goal and just how good it was. Like I said, mm. at the top, I think it was the pick of the bunch you know, just taking on the defenders, cutting in the acute finish to the far post. Um, It was just, it was so good. It was so fun to watch and kind of arcing on what you just said. It is the kind of football we want to see from the Matildas. And um, 
last episode you were talking about um, the Matildas should be doing this, should be doing that. I think that's where people get that idea from when they create a goal like that. It's like, yes, this is what the Matildas should be doing. But Mm. I suppose speaking of should, we all kind of expected a win against South Africa respectfully, even though we had a lot of outs. I don't think we can even get into the injury list right now, but we'll mention it maybe a little bit later in another episode. South Africa were also missing a bunch of players. So I suppose, Angela, what do we kind of take from this game, bigger picture-wise, wider context-wise? Because it is undeniably good to get the win, but it is, I suppose, not ha- it doesn't have asterisks on it, but there, there were some mitigating circumstances, basically. Yeah, for sure. And I think uh, f- for me, I get most of the the friendly windows we've seen I, I tend to look at them as like taking them as a as a whole holistic thing so what what happens in the game against Denmark is probably going to tell us more like about the whole picture and what's going on because yeah in terms of um South Africa I thought it was I like obviously they've got to manage their own thing they've got their own stuff going on but I was like oh that's a bit cheeky no we don't actually know like exactly how we're comparing against them um but yeah that doesn't that's just a massive cop-out to be like we'll look to the next to the next game but I think as well in terms of what we've seen from the Matildas vibes wise um the past few months them being able to back this up and to put out a confident performance will be really important to build off this momentum of the win like sure there's a lot of mitigating factors around it but I think it's going to be crucial to make sure that we still lean into that and um, use that to take the positives and move forward um, and and just keep the good vibes going because you don't want to I, I know that sounds really stupid but like yeah I it's we needed it we needed it, we needed it. Yeah, this was a confidence game more than anything. I think this was a game that was very, very well timed. Like, congrats to Football Australia for booking this game against South Africa. You know, however many months it takes in advance for this sort of stuff to be organised, because it's come at exactly the moment that the team and that Tony has needed. You know, like they hadn't won since April against New Zealand. That's a really long time. In in and in these like overtimes as well, still where time is just this weird flat circle. It feels like even longer. But yeah, it's it's come at a at a moment where clearly the players are getting frustrated that they're not making the kinds of strides that they perhaps thought they would be at this point and a big reason for that as we've mentioned is just the um just number of like injury it's I do I do not know how this happens but it's just one after the other after the other and I have to take my hat off to you know Gustafsson and to the coaching staff for not having absolute I mean maybe they have had mental breakdowns in private but you know, how do you, how, how are you able to work on anything when you don't have your best players window in window out? You know, it's just, it's almost impossible. And one of the thing important data points that Tony has mentioned as well is that, you know, he referenced the Euros and England's run through the Euros, which they did with exactly the same starting lineup and exactly the same substitutions through every single game. So maintaining a consistency of squad has like a marked consequence in terms of performances and results. You need to have the same players playing together all the time in order to, you know, like it's not rocket science. We all know this, but 
you know, you can point to things like that and be like, this is one of the reasons why the Matildas are sputtering and 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 hesitant across all of these windows because they're just constantly having to chop and change these players. So, yeah, I think this was a, a good game for the confidence of the group, for the mental health of the group. And hopefully now they have this because we've, we've seen this kind of football played by them in patches over the last couple of windows, but this really was the first game where we saw it for an almost an entire 90 minutes. That was something that they hadn't done before being able to sustain that energy, that tempo, that press um, constantly finding routes to goal for 90 minutes is a big challenge when you've only really been able to do it for, you know, patches of 30 minutes or even just a half. So being able to put it together in that 90 minutes, I think was a good step in the right direction, a step that we haven't seen yet. And coming up against Denmark on Wednesday, it's going to be obviously a tougher challenge, but it's also going to be a really interesting benchmark because Denmark was one of the first nations that we played under Tony all the way back in 2021. Um, and we only lost three, two. So it's the way that the way in which we approach this game now, whether we approach it differently from the last time, the kinds of plays we have available compared to last time, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. It's going to be fascinating. Just wanted to say, speaking mental health, um, Larissa Crummer in defense was not good for my mental health. Not good for mine either. No, no, no. Don't know what happened there. Bless her. But it's, I think that experiment is probably over. I think it was over several coaches ago when Larissa Crummer was played as a centre back, which didn't work. I don't know why that happened. Maybe it's just like an Alana Kennedy go up front for a bit type of run around. Who knows? I don't understand how time can have progressed so much and yet it is still 2018 and we're putting Larissa Crummer in the back line. (laughs) Make it make sense. I have so many feelings about this because, like, in my head I'm like, so obviously Larissa Crummer is showing enough in training, hitting whatever stats she needs to blah, 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 that she is not only consistently getting picked for camps but consistently coming off the bench, making appearances, getting minutes. But the fact that the the consensus always seems to revert back to, have we tried putting her in the back line? It, it pains me deeply. Um, I personally don't think it should happen again. And that is my final thought on the Larissa Kramer uh, defender situation. Yep. I, d- I feel kind of bad about it because it's like, we need defenders. And then it's like, Larissa, no, 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 not that one. <laughs> is that so wrong? <laughs> Are we wrong for not wanting the tall striker to be our right back or our centre back? I ask you these questions, friends. Are we asking too much here? I'm going to get down off my soapbox now. (laughs) But there were, speaking of, of players who did come off the bench and did actually do well, I thought Alex Chidiak was pretty good when she came off. I thought she gave that midfield a bit of a spin. She had some new energy there. So yeah, I was. I'm keen to see if she's given a couple more um, proper look-ins against Denmark because she, I think, added something. Particularly given Mary Fowler didn't have a great game, I thought she didn't really make a huge impact. I thought that she was she sort of drifted in and out a little bit. Whereas Chids came on and really like lit that midfield on fire, and she brought a whole new tempo to things. She was brave on the ball. She was running through players. She used her footwork really well. Um, and I thought she was able to bring out sort of an extra element in the players around her as well. So I'd really like to see her get some more minutes against Denmark. 
I think it was very obvious there was like a noted increase in intensity when she did come onto the park. So the mm. fact that it was kind of visible to the naked eye, I think says a lot. But otherwise, we we spoke about it in the preview pod how with no Yollop, no Van Eggs, no Wheeler, not that Wheeler was getting a lot of minutes, but this was a time to kind of see who else is in the midfield, what else is available, what else can we potentially look like? And I think before Chids, it was a very meh. Yeah. For, for lack of any other adjective, I did a words degree, um, but it was a very <laughs> met kind of midfield. And I don't yeah. know if that was the opponent and how we were playing because it was so obvious that Razo on the right, Ford on the left were doing so much more. So you kind of bypassed the midfield in a weird kind of way because you were really favouring the wings thanks to those players out wide. But, mm. um, yeah, really didn't take much from the midfield in this game when we had kind of highlighted it as an area which should have shown us something or we were really expecting to see something from these kind of players because I, I really don't think we saw anything from the uh, starting lineup midfield basically. Yeah, and that may also just be rust. It may also just be that, you know, Kyra Cooney Cross and Katrina Gorey haven't played in midfield together for a while if not at all I don't remember actually the last time they did so trying to fit those two together when they operate in a very similar sort of stylistic way I think is a little bit of a challenge um I thought you know one it's a it's a it's a tricky balance to strike right because we have so many good midfielders who offer so many different qualities so how do you find the best combination of all of those and Tony mentioned that I think in the pre-match press conference as well. It's like, you don't necessarily pick a player because they're the best player. You pick players based on who works the best together. And I think this was a a moment where we saw maybe a little, um, it wasn't bad, but it was different. And sorry, please ignore that bicycle. Bicycle. It was not a, it was a broom broom bicycle, not a a ding ding bicycle. (laughs) Broom broom bicycle versus ding ding. I'm very tired, friends. I'm so sorry. I'm I'm sorry. That's staying in the pod. Please (laughs) carry on. But I thought that, you know, when when we spoke um, in the preview episode about Van Egmont not being there, I thought that she, particularly against Canada, she was sort of the, she was the the weak link in some ways. Her energy just wasn't there. The tempo wasn't there. Her control on the ball wasn't there. So I was interested to see what a different combination midfield looked like. And I was... uh, I still don't know quite how how to feel about it. I think like maybe Kyra because she is a little bit younger because she is not quite established um, in the midfield, doesn't have as many minutes under her belt against international opponents, all that sort of stuff. Maybe that sort of factored into it a little bit. Maybe the more that she plays in that space as perhaps a more natural number eight, like a box-to-box midfielder who can drop a little bit deeper. And she does have that number six experience under Tony as well. So you can drop a bit deeper, be a bit more defensive. Maybe she can work really well in tandem with Katrina Gorey, who's sort of the more free-flowing sort of attack-minded number six. But you need to have that balance there. And I think against Denmark in particular, who have so many more attacking weapons, that midfield is going to come even under under even more um, attention, I reckon. Um, yeah, but again, I, like I, I, Mary is a Mary Fowl is a bit of a conundrum because like she's like clearly a generational talent and she deserves to be in the starting lineup. But like, where do you put her? 
it's really hard because everyone, every other position seems taken except for sort of attacking midfield or a number 10 or maybe even a false nine. But there are some games like that, the game against South Africa where she just didn't really do much. So it's like, well, what do you do? What do you do? What do, you do? I don't know. Let's see. The, the Mary Fowler question is very interesting because I have a very vivid memory of you and I talking about this in Canberra during those New Zealand games. Yeah. So this isn't a, you know, just this so game that thing. this has emerged. We've been talking about this for a while and you're absolutely right in the sense that she's too good not to be starting. Mm. But it just, it feels like there's no obvious place for her and she's only 18, which I think is always worth remembering. So when she does have an off game, she is a literal baby. Um, but, but also just in the sense that in terms of experience and stature, she's not yet the player you build the team around. I think mm. we all know who that player is. Mm. Um, so you can't be moving people and making things work around Fowler just yet. So it's, I would hate to have to answer this question because I know that for as long as we've been talking about it, I haven't come up with an answer because I don't know how you balance too good not to be starting but not established enough to make everything revolve around her. So yeah. it's a it's a Tony problem. I wish him well on his endeavours and I'm very <laughs> glad I don't have to answer it because I do think it is, I suppose, in a weird way, it contributes to answering the midfield question about what our best kind of midfield looks like because mm. at the moment she is the, the most attacking, most forward part of that. And if she's on, if it's working, then obviously it's great but if it's not it's really really not basically um but while we're speaking about the midfield it would be remiss of us not to talk about the return of Chloe Lagazzo and how how wonderful it was she only got seven minutes but I think her face post game really said it all she was in tears everyone was hugging her extra tightly so how good was it to see Clolo back it was amazing. It was like, and, and the thing that really moved me was exactly what happened after the final whistle. Like when I interviewed Chloe a couple of weeks ago about everything that she's been through over the past year, since tearing her ACL in September of 2021, it, like she worked so hard and she has worked so hard for her whole career to get to this point. She was constantly doubted when she was coming through the ranks because she was too small. She was too thin. She wasn't strong enough. So she worked so hard. She was always so committed to this one goal of hers. And that has really translated, I think, into the way that she's attacked her recovery. And she really has attacked it. Like if you scroll through her Instagram, you see her just like again and again and again, doing all this stuff, which is just like, she just has this elite, athlete mentality which I think is really admirable and it's probably what's got her here now being able to make her return to international football not club football international football which is a whole different kind of thing and to be able to do it in a moment like this surrounded by most of the teammates who she has come through the Matildas with as well it's yeah it's just fabulous I got a little bit teary I'm sure you got a little bit teary as well you know, Lagazzo is one of those players who I think really embodies a lot of what the Matildas mean and why they matter to so many people because it's about hard work, it's about believing in yourself and it's about surrounding yourself with people who believe in you as well. And so I thought that was a really lovely moment to illustrate all of that. Also, just an increasingly fully fit Chloe Lagazzo 
another element into the midfield discussion. That's right. Because we needed more elements to discuss. <laughs> um, I reckon to wrap things up, I think it would be interesting just briefly to talk about our defence. So obviously Tegan Micah got the nod to start in goal because Lydia Williams uh, has suffered an ankle injury, so won't be partaking in this window. Don't know if that, you know, I'm being presumptuous here and assuming Leeds would have been starting or if Tegan had been, that's neither here nor there. But I suppose, are you sticking with Micah for this Denmark game? Are you putting Arnold in and just a little bit ahead of her? Are you sticking with uh, Polkinghorne and Lewick as the centre-back pairing against Denmark? Oh, good questions. Um I think Mackenzie Arnold has played well enough for West Ham that she deserves uh, a go against Denmark, particularly given she plays against some of these Danish national team players in the WSL, so she knows them. Um, I think that could come in handy, whereas Tegan Micah doesn't necessarily have that same level of experience. But at the same time, I think Tegan Micah is a better goalkeeper. We didn't really see anything from her against South Africa because they had approximately one shot and that one shot went over her. So (laughs) you didn't really, I mean, she, I think maybe made like one or two clearances, but aside from that, she didn't really have to do much. She could have read a book there, you know, like. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure we really learned anything about Micah's capabilities against South Africa. So in that sense, maybe Tony would like to test her against a team like Denmark. And we saw how well she stood up when she debuted against Sweden in that first friendly. She was amazing then. When she played in the Olympics as well, I thought she was outstanding. Like she was able to, she's such a well-rounded goalkeeper. And at such a young age, I think that's such a, um, a reflection of, you know, how much potential she still has to go and, and how far she's already come. Um, and we know that Mackenzie Arnold is a bit clanger prone as well. A game against Spain, you know, it was Tegan Micah in goal for the first half where they only conceded once. And then it was Macarin for the second half where they conceded six. So, you know, that's a whole thing. Um, but again, like with Lydia Williams out of the picture completely for this window, give Macker a shot, see if she can atone for that Spain game and, see if uh, this kind of experience and the WSL being the starting goalkeeper for West Ham is actually, you know, filtering in and is, is making her a, a better shot stopper than maybe what we're all sort of assuming at the moment. Oh, as for the, um, I guess, the centre-back pairing as well of Polks and, and Lewick, oh god uh, like what else can you do you know what else can who else do we have we have like a Courtney Nevin maybe who can be like a left-sided center back maybe you can you don't want to bring a Steph Catley into center back because she's too good on the left so it's like what We've do got you check and McNamara check and McNamara would come you, in as well would you like uh, I mean oh. for Matilda McNamara it would be international debut if she was to get on the park it's um bit, mm. how you going Uh, thrown in the deep end and obviously Emma Checker has a few caps to her name but again I think it's under 10 so it it is another kind of baptism of fire for her so it's um it's I again I don't know the answer in on one hand I'm like Polks and Lewick are doing a job and yeah they weren't bad (laughs) Similar to what I was saying with um, Crummer, Ivy Lewick is obviously hitting the stats, doing things in training, mm. has whatever runs on the board that Tony trusts her to do the job at international level more so than the other players in the picture on the fringes. Yeah. 
But then I look at someone like Charlie Grant, who we can already see the improvement in her based on getting consistent game time at the international level, obviously coupled with the move, uh, her loan move from Rosengard to Vizio in Sweden. Obviously, that's all benefiting her. So it's like, would you apply that same logic to a a more fringe centre-back where by virtue of these other, our more established centre-backs getting injured, do you throw someone in? back them in and let them potentially grow over a couple of games. Obviously, time is not a luxury Tony and the Matildas have at the moment. So I'm very, um, again, that Larry David gif, I talk about it all the time, where you can just (laughs) see the cogs in his brain where he's like, I see the merit in this argument, but I also see the merit in the counter argument. I don't know what the answer is. Do you have any strong feelings either way or are you just as on the fence as I am I'm just as on the fence as you are honestly yeah because it's you know what like what because then if you I mean is there like a midpoint where maybe you can start a polking horn alongside a checker or an or a Luik alongside a McNamara but at the same time if one of those new players has an absolute shocker what's that going to do to their confidence what's that going to do to their future prospects for the Matildas you know all that sort of stuff I think you need to take into consideration and one of the things that I always try to remind people when I when we talk about this is that I remember having conversations with people in the mid like coaching staff in the Matildas and they told me that when it comes to players um, who are sort of putting their name up in lights to try and take the spot of someone who's already there an incumbent player they need to offer something more than what is currently on offer from the players already there so if you think about what Polkinghorne and Lewick already offer, they offer, well, in case of Polkinghorne height, sometimes goal-scoring abilities, they offer stability, they offer experience, and they offer, offer a lot of running. So when you think about a Checker or a McNamara, do they add anything more than what those two players currently do? I don't necessarily think so. I haven't really been watching enough of them over the last six months to know whether they've added any more sort of weapons to their toolkit. Similar sort of situation with Alana Kennedy. She's great over set pieces. She's tall. She can attack her box, you know, all that sort of stuff. So that I always think about those kinds of questions when we talk about who could potentially step up to replace a player in that kind of way. Um, but again, it's a friendly. It's, you know, these are the moments where if you want to test them, you got to do it now. And coming up against a team like Denmark, they're a really good side. They, you know, they made the Euros finals in 2017, I think it was. And, you know, they showed that they have some really serious players on their side. They're really well compact. They're really well organized. Um, they play some really physical football as well, which I think is good for us to learn to counter defensively. Um, so, you know, if, if Emma Checker and Matilda McNamara want to know what it takes to be a Matilda, throw them in. Let, you know, show them, show them what it's about. I don't know. As I've said once, and I will say it again, these are Tony problems. We're just talking <laughs> them out. We're just hashing them out. We don't need to make any sort of concrete Not my circus, decisions. not my monkey. That's the Honestly, right. Honestly, yeah. we just talk about the circus. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? But obviously we will watch that Denmark game bleary-eyed, but with lots of intrigue and interest that game kicks off 3 a.m australian eastern daylight time we'll see you all in the morning but i think that's us done for today otherwise thank you for tuning in and remember you can find us on espn.com.au and the espn app also spotify apple google all the usual pod spots if you like what we do you can subscribe and leave a review 
If you have your own takes about the problems that Tony has to answer and not us, you can do so at the Far Post Pod on all social media. But until next time, go Tillies and see us.